Welcome to the CU 2.0 Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the CU 2.0 Podcast with big new ideas about credit unions and conversations about innovative technology with credit union and fintech leaders. This podcast is brought to you by Quillo, the real-time loan syndication network for credit unions, and by your host, longtime credit union and financial technology journalist, Robert McGarvey. And now, the CU 2.0 podcast with Robert McGarvey. Catastrophic flooding and extreme weather hit Vermont in 2023. This has caused an estimated $45 million in losses to farmers. And you know Vermont farmers from Ben and Jerry's to Cabot Cheese. Farms are crucial to Vermont economically, but also in its self-identity. But now some 350 farm families face severe economic hardship as they seek to recover from the flooding and severe weather. An upshot is the launch of a new campaign, Dig Deep Vermont, which seeks to raise private sector monies to aid farmers in need. It's an ambitious multi-pronged effort that brings together multiple sources of help, from state government to Ski Vermont, that's the Association of Vermont Ski Resorts, and the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. Just what role can credit unions play in this fundraising? On the show today is Joe Bergeron, CEO of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions, who explains why there's a need for this effort and also why credit unions have a place in this campaign and what they can do to help. Credit unions around the country can learn from this. This is more than a Vermont issue. That's because disasters are becoming routine, but there are important roles credit unions can play in helping recovery. Learn from what's happening in Vermont, and if the spirit moves you, donate to the Relief Fund. There's a link in the show notes. Listen up. We, I sent out kind of an initial introduction to our members over the weekend, so they're just reading about it. Today, they had some heads up about it before the holidays, but now they have the details and the resources for social media posts and signage and the QR code and all that kind of stuff. So no doubt during this week and next, we'll probably start getting some questions from credit unions and talking about it more in earnest and so on and so forth. And it's really on the you know bleeding edge right at, right at the moment. Yeah, I did a, a before this call. I did a Google News search and was surprised by how little press I saw. Right, but then again, I reminded myself that Vermont is a tiny state. So, what was I expecting? Right. Uh, um, so, one newspaper did an interview of a couple people. Rutland Times Argus did an interview of a couple people last week. So they had something in I don't know it was Friday's paper, maybe. Um, but like I said, social media and the media outlets are just starting up, you know, over the weekend or now. So, yeah, don't expect to find too much as of yet. But I think over the course of the remain what little remains of this month and next month, um, you'll start to see a lot more of it. Yeah, I think the most intriguing thing Roberta did was involve the um, ski resorts. And, yes, uh, uh, that, that's potentially. I, I I was I was on one of those calls, and I'm looking and I'm saying this is like Rube Goldberg assembled this contraption. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's and then it dawned on me there's a certain genius to it, uh, where the ski resorts can bring in out of state money, if you will, into this. Right, right. And those people have money if they're skiing in Vermont. So sure, 
Yeah. Well, we're trying to, you know, like I said, it's just on the bleeding edge right now. So we're trying to feel our way around a little bit. That all goes. There are lots of ideas, but, you know, it's a matter of how many things can you pull off at, at the same time and how long is it going to take? Um, um, what, what I will say, just from my own, not only my own perspective, but other people on the call and others I've spoken to about it is, and I might have shared this with you earlier, that, you know, back when we had initial flooding back in July, and then again, to a lesser amount in December, uh, there was a lot of visible damage. You know, you could uh, drive through the streets or not if they were blocked off in certain parts of the state. Um, and like downtown Montpelier, the state capital, for example, you know, downtown was pummeled by flood. I, I remember seeing pictures um, yeah. in, in um, newspapers so, of the flooding. I mean, this is so, even made the New York Times, I think. Right. So after those waters recede, you know, you see all these closed storefronts or apartment houses or whatever it may be, and you see them, you know, with, with, with piles of trash out on the curbside on the street, and it's mounting, 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 and, you know, giant piles and all, you know, the, these haul-off things, you know, where they're taking all this stuff away, and some businesses reopening, you know, some not, a few unfortunately closing and whatnot. Um, but what struck me about all of this is that when Roberta first was talking to me about the agriculture community, you know, that's not something most of us in Vermont see regularly. You know, when I'm driving through a downtown, I can see closed storefronts and, you know, you can see that water was halfway up the storefront glass and they're closed or they're not and there's trash out front and so on and so forth. Same thing with housing and all of that kind of stuff. So a lot of devastation. But when you're driving through the countryside and you drive by a farm, you know, we see flooded fields frequently every spring, you know, when when snow melts and whatnot. Um, but stuff still grows there, you know, through that season. Uh, but this year was different. And a lot of farmland got flooded that normally doesn't get flooded. And uh, a lot of equipment floated away. You know, a lot of those fields aren't growing or won't be growing things this coming uh summer and a lot of feed was lost and so on and so on hay you know not growing the rest of this past summer and whatnot so there's animals that are without food this winter and farms that to lay off people and you know a whole lot of farm and agricultural related kind of infrastructure that's damaged or not there anymore that those of us that are going out to eat or going to the grocery store or just doing our normal lives, unless we're ag-related, we don't see that stuff. Um, and so, you know, the average guy on the street is looking at those storefronts, figuring, oh, you know, it's pretty much recuperated now. Yeah, there's a few stores that, you know, probably haven't recovered and aren't back in business. They chose to close or whatnot. Um, but you know, most of the downtowns and the affected communities look like it's back to normal business again. But those farmers are, you know, far from that. I mean, some of them are, but a whole lot of them are not. Um, and so they're still suffering through all of this. So um, it's kind of, you know, eye-opening because it's not, it's not visible to us, you know, you or me that are just, you know, doing desk jobs most of the time or driving around, you know, to go to the grocery store. You just don't see the impact on, you know, these rural countryside farms. 
and and you're right i mean i grew up in um new jersey at a time when there was still a fair amount of farming in new jersey and every spring farm fields would flood every spring yeah, yeah. and uh um and i don't remember it ever being catastrophic right it's just it's just a normal thing every year you know you'll have a field that belongs to a farm that is near the banks of a river or something and it floods and then it recedes you know when the snow's gone or after the heavy rain is gone and whatnot and they still grow things there um but you know this was a lot a lot different a lot and it's you know if you're not a farmer you don't understand the ecosystem of farming and i, I certainly don't but i know a little bit from talking with cabbage farmers so uh, when i was a kid i used to walk through dairy farms and to me it was just a bunch of cows but right to keep that thing running they had to grow something that they fed the cows well right and i don't think you know many of these farms in the vermont countryside or the new jersey countryside are uh, so hugely successful that you know they're they're not living on the edge financially uh, a lot of the time uh, you know, I think that, you know, any little thing can kind of upset the apple cart uh, from one season to the next. I've talked with enough cabot farmers that these are, you know, these, these are people that are living pretty marginally, you know, they're right. making, exactly. you know, they yeah. need to do maple syrup to make, to make a living. They need to do odd jobs throughout the season. It's not just dairy farming in many cases. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Very true. Now, what do you i'm a i'm a vermont credit union why why am i involved in this you know what do you expect from these these credit unions well we're hoping vermont credit unions some of them anyway will get involved i you know i wouldn't like anything else i wouldn't expect that every single credit union um is going to have the capacity to get involved um but i would hope that a good number of them do um, you know, all of the people that work, Vermont credits, like in every other state, are all local, right? Um, and they're controlled by the people and made up of the people that they serve in their localities. And so all of these farmers and these ag groups are local and they're in these communities that are served by Vermont credit unions. And so, you know, credit unions as cooperatives support uh, local economies in a lot of different ways. You know, the obvious is through, you know, the car loan, the mortgage, the small business loan, and so on and so forth. But here, you know, as part of their the communities that they serve, that you know, suffered this devastating loss. And you know, a lot of credit unions um, in past natural disasters have come to the aid of their communities in whatever different ways. You know, temporary loans for people that are out of work, or rebuilding loans, and so on and so forth. And I don't think this is, you know, much different than that, except that it's very broad spread. Um, you know, this flooding was very dispersed throughout the state of Vermont and very damaging in a, in a lot of areas. Uh, and so I think it affects members of a lot of Vermont credit unions. Just looking at the map of areas of the state that were affected, you know, I think there would be very few, if any, credit unions who didn't have membership that were affected in some way, shape, or form. And hey, the bottom line is, that we all benefit from the food that these Vermont farmers put on the table for us, whether it be in a restaurant or in the grocery store. So I think it's incumbent upon cooperative credit unions to, you know, try to help in some way, whether it's an outright donation from a credit union that can do that, or whether it's encouraging their members to uh, just be aware of uh, the need 
of some of their fellow Vermonters that run these 350 plus farms um, and that there's a financial need there and they need assistance of their fellow Vermonters. Now, when you've talked to credit unions about this, your members, what's the initial reaction? Are they saying, oh, can't wait to jump on this? Or are they saying, um, as I hear often with credit unions today, geez, when new technology has broached them, geez, we were really interested in but we just don't have the bandwidth to deal with it right now. I'm sure there'll be some of all of that. Uh, like I said, you know, we just barely started uh, communicating, you know, what we were, what we're hoping Vermont credit unions will do. Um, and so, you know, we, we put it out there before the holidays a little bit, just for a little taste of, Hey, this campaign is coming. Um, but the call to action and the tools to do it with, and the options that they, we laid before them and whatnot just happened, you know, just within the past 24 or 48 hours. So we're still, you know, we're going to be waiting and looking forward to hearing from credit unions through the coming days on what they can and can't do of those that are willing to do something. You know, yes, they get a lot of requests from a lot of, just like any other business, they get a lot of requests for financial assistance and so on and so forth. Um, you know, we're not really making the the ask of credit unions to make a monetary contribution themselves, although certainly if they have the bandwidth to do that, that's great. Um, but what we are asking them to do is to help us help make other Vermonters that we all live amongst aware of the need and of the campaign. And I think, you know, it, this is a big education process. Um, like I just said a little while ago, you know, I think a lot of Vermonters uh, just aren't aware of the need out there and what these, you know, farm Vermonters, you know, have suffered and are still suffering. And so a lot of it on day one, which is right now, is educating whether it's credit unions or your neighbors about, you know, the existence of this need and the recovery effort that is still going on out there that we don't see and we're just hearing about now. Do you think Vermonters understand that agriculture is economically significant to Vermont? I think... Uh, a lot of Vermonters, you know, they probably don't know numbers, but, you know, I think that a lot of Vermonters understand that tourism certainly is a big thing in Vermont and agriculture is a big thing in Vermont. And I think everybody recognizes that agriculture is a uh, farms in particular are, you know, a, a, a tough living out there. Um, and I think most Vermonters are very understanding and appreciative of the lives that those 350 plus farm families live out there uh, to contribute to the state economically, to hire people, to put food on the table of other Vermonters, like I said, in restaurants and grocery stores. So yes, I think most Vermonters understand the importance of the agriculture community in Vermont. And they understand the, the extent of it. I'm not sure, but yeah, I think they would all say it's very important. Is there any sense of disaster fatigue in Vermont? And you know, let's go back to to a, a tropical storm, Irene, which was what two thousand ten, something like that, which really right. caused a lot of devastation in Vermont. Just right for sure. It, it's and it was kind of a non-event up the East Coast, and then Vermont just got hammered. So th th this is not a, a one-time shot right now. There, there's there's been other events like this so are, are vermonters tired of disasters 
Sure. I think, you know, some probably are, but I don't think it's much different in Vermont than it is in, you know, most other places. Oh, I'm sure it's not. Um, it's, um, it's, you know, there's the, there's the natural uh, uh, disasters uh, that occur with uh, more frequency than you and I have seen, you know, in our, the, the prior years of our lifetime going, going back far enough. Um, but then add to that, uh, you know, put the layer of, what was it, three years or so of COVID on top of that with businesses that, you know, were suspended, closed up shop, laid off people, and so on and so forth. And there's just a lot of forces coming to bear or came to bear at the same time. So, you know, when you're on the heels of that uh, and then you throw a flood or two uh, on top of it, you know, uh, I think, you know, some of it is fatigue. Some of it is probably just people, you know, nothing surprises some people anymore. Having a flood, especially flooding in a mountainous state like Vermont, I remember years back, you you didn't associate that kind of flooding and that kind of damage uh, with a state like Vermont that that's in the mountains, uh, maybe along shorelines and along riverbanks, but not coming down from the tops of mountains. Um, but weather is different. Weather uh, and climate change has become a big issue uh, in the Vermont State House and nationally too. Um, so it's just a different times that we live in and uh, different issues. So, you know, I don't I don't know that I'd say that Vermonters have become apathetic about um, you know climate change issues and fundraising and so on and so forth. Um, but we've certainly become more accustomed to expect the unexpected. It seems as though there's a disaster of the week nationally or actually right. globally, internationally. Right. Does anybody still talk about the Maui situation? Not really. I'm sure people in Hawaii do. But. And that was that's what's crossing my mind here. You know, uh, when we had all the massive flooding in Vermont that was damaging downtowns and buildings and putting businesses out of business and people out of homes and everything, you know, it was devastating here. And then I don't know if it was a week or 10 days later, and, and it captured all national headlines, like you said, and everything. And then it was a week or 10 days later, we're hearing about, you know, an entire town in uh, Hawaii, you know, that's burnt to the ground and gone now. And and the devastating fires that took place there. And you're right. It is kind of like the disaster of the week. And um, it's like the news industry, you know, yesterday's news is old news. Um, and I don't think it used to be that way, but because there's so much in that natural disaster uh, these days that it really is one after another and uh, unexpected. Do you happen to know, you, you probably don't, but do you happen to know if any Vermont credit unions are customers of QCash? I don't know that off the top of my head. Heard of QCash, I'm a little bit familiar with it. I haven't pulled Vermont credit unions to find out if anybody's dealing with it directly yet. Well, I mentioned that because QCash, which is now, uh, it's a QSO owned by a lawyer, had been founded by Washington State Employees Credit Union, which sold it to a lawyer sometime in the last year or so. And they have a specific program that enables a credit union to activate disaster-related loans instantaneously. You know, it's, it's supposed to, a credit union, there can be a fire like in Maui, and by two days later, you can be active issuing loans if you wish to be be involved in it which is pretty cool 
That is pretty cool. Uh, you know, I know we do have some credit unions that, you know, have done emergency loans and whatnot um, for a whole bunch of uh, circumstances, you know, whether it be natural disasters after flooding or so on and so forth, or, um, you know, those who have government related employees anticipating government shutdowns when those come along with increasing frequency these days, too. Um and so, you know, we have some credits that have done efforts in in those areas, you know, for their members on the fly directly. But, you know, I don't know about QCash specifically, but it sounds like a great program. Is there any particular credit union that actually has a lot of uh, farmers? Uh, we don't have, you know, Vermont is very agricultural, but uh, we don't have a small state. It's a small footprint. So we don't have a credit union like in some parts in the midwest and whatnot that is uh you know created primarily with a field of membership that's the agricultural community um but we have you know many well every credit union in vermont is rural to some extent uh so many of those credit unions have ag related members right. um but none that have an ag related field of membership specifically right Actually, he's kind of surprised by that, but it's Vermont. Vermont is a small state, so yeah, it's a small state. So the ag community, you know, there's there's a lot of ag community, but it's spread throughout the state. You know, unlike uh, I don't know Wisconsin, let's say, or places like that, where you know there's a, a big segment of the state that's predominantly agriculture in Vermont. I think. You know, there is a lot of agriculture, but and a lot of farms, but, um, you know, it, it's in most parts of the state and here and there. I don't think that there's enough ag in a portion of the state to divide up the state into segments for financial services purposes and say, let's form a credit union for these farms and, and this part of the state or something like that. Before we go, think hard about how you can help support this podcast so we can do more interviews with more thoughtful leaders in the credit union world. What we're trying to figure out here in these podcasts is what's next for credit unions. What can they do to really, really, really make a difference in the financial scene? Can't all be mega banks, can it? It's my hope it won't all be mega banks. It'll always be a place for credit unions. That's what we're discussing here. So figure out how you can help get in touch with me this is rj mcgarvey at gmail.com robert mcgarvey again that's rj mcgarvey at gmail.com get in touch we'll figure out a way that you can help we need your support we want your support we thank you for your support the cu 2.0 podcast